This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on North Dakota. North Dakota. Now going to have to forgive me because I really don't know how to pronounce this name, and I've tried to look online. Okay. Um, her last, well, her first name's Anna, so I'll call her Anna throughout the whole story, but her last name's Corinta. Corinta? It's K-O-R-Y-N-T-A. Corinta? Corinta. Corinta. Like, yeah. Corinta. So this actually happened in Grand Forks. North Dakota. Okay. She was born in November in 1967. Okay. And then she was known as Annie to all her friends. She lived around her family, so she was pretty close. Okay. She also worked at a, I think it's like a shopping center or a grocery store called Hugo's. Okay. uh, In East Grand Forks, and she was actually a checker there. Okay. And so on May 10th. 1987, she was at work, and just before 6.30, she she, or she arrived at home around 6.30, but before she did, while she was still at work, she was telling her family or her coworkers that she was really tired. It was actually Mother's Day that day, and she was supposed to go hang out with her family, but she decided against it, and... She decided to go into work and make money, Um, and all her family was at Maple Lake spending time together, but she did not go and attend. Okay. Uh, Now, Anna, or Annie, was going through a lot at the time. So, one month before she... Before this incident that Mm -hmm. we'll get into, she actually had a boyfriend. Um, His name was Peter. I'm trying to find his last name. Uh, His name was Peter. And he, honestly, they were in love. They, They were together for a while, and he asked her to marry him. Okay. That night, he got into an accident. And passed away the day that he asked her to marry him. Okay. So it was really, really sad. Yeah. Oh, his name was Peter Jason Steinhofer. That's a name. That is is a name. Yeah. Um, So this was around April 2nd, 1987. Okay. When this happened, Um, he and a friend were speeding down North Washington Street. When their vehicle went out of control and hit a utility pole. Oh. And it sliced the car in half. So it was a very gruesome passing and accident and all of that. Yeah. So she was going through a lot. She was going through depression. Of course, you know, that's a that's a hard, hard situation to go through. Yeah. Especially when you were about to, you know, start a life with somebody. Yeah. I actually, it brings back memories of a couple that we knew mm-hmm. or that we know that happened here and he passed away in a car accident and they had been together for so long. Yeah. 
Um, and she she went through a really hard time. So I can only imagine. Yeah. Anyway, so fast forward a month and it's May 10th, 1987. And she leaves work. She gets home around 630 at night. And that's all we really know. Okay. She lived with her of her whereabouts of what happened that night. Okay. Um, she lived with her niece. Okay. Who was actually 18. So I think her sister had was a little bit older and there was a huge age gap. Okay. But she lived with her niece. Her niece was not home. And her niece, when she did come home, came home, she walked into a very bloody scene. Oh, no. Yeah. And so Anna had been stabbed Ooh. multiple times. Ooh. There was blood everywhere around the house and the apartment. Okay. Um, it was, it just was a brutal, brutal murder. Yeah. But when the police came, they realized that there was no forced entry to the apartment. Okay. There was no signs of a struggle. Okay. And there was no sexual assault, but also no witnesses to what could have happened. Yeah. So we didn't even know like what she had been doing that night. Mm-hmm. She went to work, wasn't feeling that well, and that's pretty much like the last thing we know. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And so they actually never found the murder weapon okay. as well, which is... Do they know what the murder weapon was? Was it just like a knife? It or? Was a, they think it was just a knife because she was stabbed so many yeah. times. Um, It's just when some police reports were filled out, people were talking and the police were like... I just don't understand how there was no more evidence than what we found. There was barely yeah. anything. Well, and then it was, they live in an apartment, right? Yep. So it's like no neighbors heard anything? Mm-hmm. No neighbors. Like if somebody passed from such a violent death, wouldn't you think, it, it reminds me of when we were talking about uh, Joyner yeah. a couple weeks ago and how she literally was murdered in her bedroom while her roommates were in the other room. Right. And they all said that they didn't hear anything. How is that even possible? It's, I I don't know. That's wild. Yeah. And so the police thought that she might have actually known her assailant because, again, there was no forced entry. So they believe Anna opened the door for the murderer um, because when her niece showed up, the door was actually locked. Oh, weird. Yeah. And what was also weird is they were two women in an apartment together, right? Mm-hmm. So they always they always had nightlights plugged in. Okay. Or in, into different outlets where it wasn't like one of the switches, right? Yeah. And so when her niece showed up, the whole apartment was dark. And so when she looked around... She said all of the nightlights were pulled out of the wall of the wall. What were so where it was um, Anna? Mm-hmm. What like were her like house keys missing or anything? I didn't see anything. Because like, how would they have locked the door? I have no idea. Unless unless you like locked the bottom and then you can close yeah. it. But even then, that's fucking weird. And then why would you take all the nightlights out of the wall? I have no idea. It's all we- really, really weird. That's so strange. 
And so when the police started doing their examination of the body, they determined that she might have passed away around 7.30 p.m. Okay. So she was only home for about an hour. Yeah. But she was also killed in her nightgown. So we, again, don't really know. They think they that she knew the murderer because who? Why would she have opened the door in her nightgown and let somebody in? There was no forced entry. Yeah. Um. And at that time, it was said to in May at seven thirty, there was still light out. So why didn't anyone see anything if that happened and yeah. the assailant left? Yeah. No one saw anybody leaving, like, with a ton of blood. Because, again, they said the whole crime scene, it was splattered. Blood was splattered everywhere. Yeah. That's wild. Like, I remember when I lived in an apartment, if I heard somebody knocking on, like, my neighbor's door, I could hear it. Right. And not just, like, across the hall. Like, I'm talking, like, the door upstairs and, like, the upstairs hallway. Like, I could hear somebody knocking on the door. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you not, how, how are there no witnesses? Well, and it was 6.30 at night. Let's say the, the attacker came at 6.45 or 7 o'clock. People are home. Yeah. It's not like. Some people may just be coming home from work still at 6.45. Right. That's wild. So they started investigating dozens of people and in interviewing dozens of people um all of anna's friends family members and neighbors they also thought there might have been somebody who was actually trying to try to get with anna and trying to like shoot their shot in a sense and he showed up at the apartment you know, it was only a month after the passing. He was trying mm-hmm. to be with her, but she he might have made advances and she said no. Um, and he probably got upset. Yeah. And so they had some leads. OK. But these leads didn't pan out because of timing. OK. Um, these leads told the investigators that they were with his friends and all his friends accounted that he was with them so they thought this person was being protected by his friends okay because everyone thought it was this specific man Mm -hmm. which they never really tell us who it was because it was just a person of interest yeah and then in the 90s when they started looking at this cold case again Mm -hmm. so a few years later they tried to re-interview all of these people. Yeah. And everyone refused to talk to the police. Oh. Yeah. It was, it's really, why? Yeah. Why would you not want to talk to the police? Because they all made up stories and they don't remember the details of the stories. That could be. I mean, that's definitely, like, definitely a thing, right? There have been so many cases like that where it's like, they'll go back and talk to like a suspect or somebody that was like corroborating like a alibi Mm -hmm. and all the stories change. Yeah. It's very true. And it's not, it's either, you know, someone's lying when it's nothing's the same or everything's Mm -hmm. exactly the same. True. True. Because then you committed it to memory. Yeah. And like, who does that? 
And no one, because when you remember things, your mind, like as you remember it, you sometimes add more detail. Mm -hmm. I mean, the basis of the information is there, but like you'll you'll remember different things at different times in your life. Yeah. So this went all the way to the FBI. Okay. And the FBI actually did a profile. So it was all criminal minds up in this. Yeah. (laughs) And. They went to the behavioral science lab in Quantico and they developed a profile on this man or this person. And I am the man. They said the man should have been in his 20s. Okay. With a yo-yo personality who was friendly, Mm -hmm. but also moody. And the man may have gone through a divorce or maybe drinking or using drugs heavily, Mm -hmm. according to the profile. Okay. And according to the Herald, um, one of the men that the police actually focused on was divorced after the crime and was also arrested for drug possession in the year following Anna's death. Oh. But, of course, nothing again panned out. Okay. And again, they just reverted back to, you know, the actual facts of the case of being no forced entry she was probably familiar with the person. Something happened near the door to the house. Okay. And then it might have moved to a different room because there was blood in multiple rooms. Mm-hmm. And it was the intention to kill her because something didn't pan out the way that person wanted it to. Okay. So... Obviously, family members are still grieving. She, she they, they have no information mm-hmm. of what could have happened. They're, the cold case department in North Dakota mm-hmm. has only two people. Okay. And they have 15 open cases. And so it's really hard for them to actually focus on a case and yeah. try to find the information. They're looking for... Any break they can have mm-hmm. or can get. And it's just really sad. It's really sad that as the years have passed and different people have looked into this case, they've all came up with the same scenario and same thought process. Yeah. But no new information. Yeah. So they're hoping now with DNA advancements and like testing that maybe they can pull some of this blood and get it retested. And maybe get a hit, or who knows. But in May 2000, they actually did send hair and other things from the scene of the crime to the FBI laboratory for testing. Okay. And nothing panned out at this moment. But hopefully, there's been a lot of advancements in the last 20 years. Yeah. And so, I'm hoping that maybe something comes again, or they try to rerun it, or somebody just comes forward and... Bring some new information. Yeah, definitely. It's really crazy. You were talking about like FBI profiling and all that. Actually, the person who invented it, his name is John Douglas. Oh, really amazing book. If you guys ever want, if you guys are really into like true crime and stuff, just read Journey into Darkness by John Douglas. Mm-hmm. It's how he created the FBI profiling profiling system and how you profile people. It is wild how accurate they can be just by 
the facts of what they know, like how somebody was murdered, the murder weapon, the mode of like entry into like the the person's apartment, like things like that. It's so crazy. I love that stuff. I'm not even joking. I think it's I mean, Criminal Minds was my favorite TV show. Yeah. And obviously that's a dramatization. Mm -hmm. But how accurate this FBI profile was in this case where he had a yo-yo personality. Mm-hmm. He, he might have been divorced. He probably was on drugs. And they found a suspect that fit that exa- exact bill. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just unfortunate that nothing panned out from it. Right. But yeah, crazy. This case is wild. Right. I just it's insane because she wasn't even supposed to be at home. She mm-hmm. was supposed to be at the lake. Yeah. But she decided to not go to the lake for Mother's Day and go to work instead. Yeah. And got home and whatever happened, happened. We will never know. Yeah. I want to know why the the nightlights were unplugged from the wall. That's so weird. It, right? I don't understand why. Like, don't <laughs> don't look at me. I don't know. But. Yeah. Unless maybe they were like worried that she might have survived and they could she could ID the person. But if it's somebody that she knows. Yeah. Then I don't know. That's wild. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know why the whole apartment was in the dark when in the dark. And then the multiple rooms thing, that's interesting, too. I mean, she was probably trying to get struggle away. and, like, get into a different room mm-hmm. or something. But but then she was found in the living room? I think so, yeah. Crazy. So, yeah, then I wonder if, like, they moved her body into the living room. Because, yeah. like, if she ran into the back of the apartment and, like, it ended in the apartment. Or maybe she was trying to run for the door. I don't know. Yeah. That's wild. Wild, wild. Well, and it was just so brutal. Like, she had stabbings all in her torso, and she had such bad defensive injuries on mm-hmm. her arms and hands. I mean, she probably put up a fight, and she was five foot four. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not that tall, but I'm very feisty if someone puts me in a corner. So, I can only imagine when you're trying to fight for your life. Fight for your life. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email MVP at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions. 